Welcome back to Catalyst, the CLS West podcast. Again, this is Thad, and in today's episode, it's going to be a little different. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read through my breakdown for the uh, reading today, which is 1 Timothy 3, and then I'm going to go through the passage. And then after that, uh, to finish up the episode, I'm going to go ahead and read through Isaiah 52 and 53, 1 through 5. Because this weekend is Easter, and that is the image of Christ's sacrifice for our salvation. Just one of the more impactful uh, passages in um, this season. So, yeah, I'm going to go into 1 Timothy 3 first, and then uh, read the passage, and then I'm going to read through Isaiah 52. And 53, 1 through 5. So, uh, 1 Timothy 3, um, it consists of three major sections. So, verses 1 through 7 discuss the qualifications of elders in the church. These verses resemble the quality traits Paul gives to Titus in Titus 1, 5 through 9. So, elders in this case are the senior leaders within the church. Let's plainly put it. Uh, According to Paul, these men must be capable teachers with a good reputation, known for their patience and fairness. Elders are not necessarily required to be married or have children, but those who are uh, must be faithful to their wives and have reasonable control over their children. With, while the information Paul gives for elders is similar to his, inst- to his instructions elsewhere, the second section of this chapter is unique to First Timothy. Here, Paul gives qualifications for deacons in verse 8 through 13. The character requirements are almost identical to those of elders in verses 1 through 7. Though deacons are not explicitly required to be able to teach. However, this section also adds characteristics of a deacon's wife and a mandate that deacons be tested prior to being fully installed in their role. These additional points of emphasis probably reflect the fact that those being considered for elders are most likely already well known to the church and have already shown themselves to meet the requirements. The third section of this chapter relates to the church and covers verses 14 through 16. It includes a summary of Paul's first section of his letter to 1 Timothy 1 Timothy 3.14, as well as words that speak highly of the importance of the church in 1 Timothy 3.15. Verse 15 is often interpreted as endowing the church, the earthly body of Christian believers, with special power or authority. In reality, Paul clearly sets the written words of the Bible as authoritative and when discussing the foundation of in terms of Christ, he uses Greek words which are very different from those written in the passages to describe the church. The chapter concludes with a hymn-like doxology in 1 Timothy 3.16, which reflects the theme of glory, similar to Paul's earlier hymn in 1 Timothy 1.17. The three chapters to this point have been both personal and focused on big picture concepts in the church. Chapter four through six will transition to a more practical tone 
uh, more application uh, more application to use in your own life. And Paul will discuss specific dangers within the church, instructions toward various groups of people, and thoughts about money and trust. So that is the breakdown of 1 Timothy 3. I'll go ahead and read the passage for you. All right, this is 1 Timothy 3. This is the word of the Lord. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, not given into drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage their own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must be first tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers or gossipers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. So yeah, that is 1 Timothy 3. And now I'm going to read from Isaiah 52. And that's how we're going to conclude our episode today. I hope that you all can make it to our Good Friday service at 7 p.m. tomorrow and our Easter services either at 7.30 in the morning, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. It'd be great to see you there. Invite your friends and invite your family um, to this service. It's going to be a great one. And uh, just invite them to come rejoice with you about the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start reading Isaiah 52 and 53, 1 through 5. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck daughter Zion, now a captive. 
For this is what the Lord says, You were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord? For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. Depart, depart, go from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out of, come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that, that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. And this is Isaiah 53, 1-5. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to, to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should des desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and he, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hey, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and were able to take something away from it to apply to your daily walk with Jesus. Our hope and vision for this podcast is that it would be used as a tool and resource for further discipleship in your home. Catalyst was created to appeal to both students and their parents, so we will be releasing a couple of episodes per week filled with talks like today, deep dives into other scripture, and equipping lessons to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you liked our content today, be sure to follow us on Spotify 
That way you are able to stay up to date with each episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, we want you to know Jesus, grow in Him, and go out to share the good news. My name is Thad Risto, and I will see you in the next one.